SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. I'm Brad Brown. It's good to have you with us. Big, big day for Springbok Rugby. Alistair Kutsia announcing his first Springbok team as coach. We'll chat to Joel Stransky as we pick his selections apart uh, and find out what Joel's thoughts are uh, on the clash against Ireland this coming Saturday. We'll also chat to the team principal of uh, Dimension Data, the cycling team doing fantastically well. They did pick up a stage victory at the Criterium de Dauphiné today. Uh, Douglas Ryder will join us. We'll also chat to Sean Bartlett, head coach of Amatux, as they head into the week. It's a do-or-die clash in the NFD Absolute Premiership playoff uh, or relegation playoffs. Uh, important, critical clash for the University of Pretoria. That's all coming up. We'll also uh, head to Austria to find out what the latest is on the European Golf Tour circuit. But let's start with news of the day. Alistair could see it naming that Springbok squad. Scrum half after Clark, the only uncapped player in the starting 15 the box take on Ireland at Newlands on Saturday. Patrick Lambie will start at fly-off ahead of Elton Yankees. Hooker Bongi Mbonambi could make his test debut off the bench. Dwayne from Newland will start in the number 8 jersey ahead of Warren Whiteley. The team boasts 700, uh, 474 test caps. Adrian Strauss set to become the 57th Springbok captain. The entire team reads as follows. Tendai Mtawarira, Andres uh, uh, Strauss, uh, Adrian Strauss, rather, uh, France Malherba, Ivan Etzebeth, Louis Diaga, Francois Lowe, Sia Khaleesi, Dwayne Vermeulen, number nine, Fafte Clad, Pat Lambie, Loisium Vovo, Damien Delender, Lionel Mapu, JP Peterson, and Vili LaRue. On the bench, Mbonambi, Nyakane, Redlinghais, Dutoy, uh, Warren Whiteley, Rudy Page, Elton Yankees, and Jesse Creel. Ireland also announced their team four changes. Centre Luke Marshall and fly half Paddy Jackson come into the back line to replace fullback Simon Zebo and injured star playmaker Johnny Sexton. Lockie and Henderson and flanker Geordie Murphy are the newcomers to the pack in place of uh, Donaka Ryan and uh, Tommy O'Donnell. Also included in that starting lineup is South African born CJ Stunder. In other rugby news, Aussie coach Michael Checkers made, uh, through all his names, three debutants to his starting lineup for their clash against England at the weekend. And Aaron Cruden will start in the number 10 jersey for New Zealand for their test against Wales in Auckland. Alan Wynne Jones will earn his 100th cap for the Welsh, while Captain Sam Warburton returns from a shoulder injury. Mamelodi Sundowns winger Keegan Dolly's admitted that if he's given the opportunity, he would love to ply his trade in. In Europe, the under-23 captain produced a man-of-the-match performance when he scored two brilliant goals and created two more for Tamsankwa Kabuza against Gambia and Bafana's recent AFCON qualifier. Dolly says he's not too picky about where he'd like to play. I would like to go to Europe somewhere, you know, preferably um, Spain or, or, or England. But yeah, for now, any, any, any team in Europe that wants me, I'd, I'd take the opportunity to go. Bafana failed to qualify for the 27 AFCON. Dolly believes a solid performance in the Olympics could change the footballing landscape for his teammates and himself. When, when we started the campaign for the Olympics, I always told the boys that um, once, once we do qualify for the Olympics, we will open lots of um, doors and windows for us to stay overseas, you know, because we know it's one of the, the, the biggest um, tournaments and everybody's going to be watching us. Quick cricket update for you. England, 234 for six against Sri Lanka. It is day one of the third test at Lords. And bad news for Rafael Nadal fans. He's withdrawn from Wimbledon because of a wrist injury. Coming up next here on SAFM Sports Wrap, we'll chat uh, to Doug Ryder about uh, a fantastic performance by Edward Bosenhagen today. SAFM Sports Wrap.
This is South Africa's news and information leader, and it's uh, 25 past 5 this afternoon. It was at the back end of my bulletin as the sprint finish was ending, and I wasn't able to give the result. But uh, as we were wrapping up, uh, Dimension Data's Edward Bosenhagen was going off the front end in a, a sprint finish for the line of the stage four of the Criterium du Dauphiné. And I can tell you, he ended up winning the stage, which is great news. And we joined now by team principal of Dimension Data, Douglas Ryder. Douglas, welcome on to SAFM Sports Trap. First of all, congratulations. What, what an amazing win. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, geez, we've been knocking on the door at the Dauphiné, and today was one of our last chances because it goes into the mountains tomorrow um, for the next few days, and it becomes really, really difficult, and we don't really have a specialist climber in the Dauphiné at the moment. So we tried every single day. We were, you know, we've been fifth, fourth, and third in the in the, in the first few days and stages of this race, and then to, to to win today, which was pretty much our last chance in this race to, you know, to win one of the flat stages is just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean, we spoke. I think the last time you and I spoke was uh, during the, the the Giro, and just how important it is for for a team like Dimension Data to pick stages to win and 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 go after it. And and like you say, you've come close so many times so far in this in this race. Uh, it, it must be pretty satisfying that that things are coming together, and 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 the guys are picking up big wins when when they need to. No, absolutely. We've shown amazing consistency. You know, this is our 14th race win of the year, which is just brilliant. And to win in a world tour race like the Dauphiné is, uh, is amazing. You know, we, we get massive UCR points for winning in, in these kinds of races and that helps our, our world team ranking. So it's, it's incredible. You know, we, we are a team that likes to show ourselves and we know the more successful this team is, the better we, we can, you know, the better or the more exposure the team gets and the more money we can raise for the Quebec charity because it takes our team story right up to the top of, of the world media, which is, which is just incredible. So success absolutely, you know, brings success back to, back to South Africa and, uh, and across Africa. And Edvold Bosenhagen is now also wearing the green jersey, which is just amazing. So it's, uh, it's incredible. It's been an incredible day, an incredible stage. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love the fact that, uh, and we've spoken about this often, that, that uh, initially a lot of people thought, oh, this is quite novel having this team here and it's got a cool story. But you guys have proved you're not there to make up the numbers. You are there because you deserve to be there. And I think that's fantastic. Just switching tack slightly as well. The weekend there was a story that broke uh, about your young, your, your young rider, uh, Keegan Girlstone, who was uh, in a horrific crash. Obviously, there were, were mixed media reports initially. Uh, by the last I heard, he was, was still in, in quite a serious condition. How, how is he doing following that crash, Doug? Yeah, look, Keegan is in is critical but stable. He's you know he's he's not in a good way at all. And his parents are thankfully there now, and they arrived yesterday. So that's amazing that they've you know they, as a family that immigrated to New Zealand. So now they. You know, we've arranged for them to come through to, to, to Italy to be with Keegan and, um, and it's a long process now. So we just have to wait and see, you know, how he recovers. He seems to be getting better and better every single day. But, um, yeah, we, you know, we're hoping for absolutely a full recovery, but, uh, it was a serious injury and serious accident. And yeah, we just, as long as people can, you know, just keep hoping for him and, uh, and praying for him that, uh, that he can have a, you know, a full recovery, that would be amazing. But it's a, it's a long process still. Doug, I mean, obviously the media reports differed. I mean, early on there were reports that he had died, and, and the good news is he didn't. He is, he is in, like you say, in critical condition still. Well, there, there hasn't been too much about the, the crash and what actually happened. Can you fill us in on, on some details? Yeah, so he, you know, he went into the back of a car, and broke the windscreen and of the the back window of the car and and then fell on the glass and it just it, it cut his neck and and the carotid artery 
um, which was pretty serious. So, but yeah, that and you know, like fortunately, he you know he got amazing help and you know and 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 help was at hand immediately and and he went off to hospital. So, but it is a, it's a serious injury and um, and he is you know in in ICU at the moment and and being looked after and cared for really well. So, yeah, he had a, the operation went really really well and. Which is amazing, and uh, we're just hoping every day that uh, that he, you know, that he gets better and and better and better. He's a big fighter. He's a young guy, super fit guy, and um, you know, he's had incredible support around the world. And and yeah, you know, we just pray that he, you know, that he can make a full recovery. Yeah, I mean, we're sending tons of positive vibes from from here as well. Doug, as far as uh, what's next on the cards for you guys, obviously the mountains and the criteria coming up. Uh, what what's uh, what what's the the race calendar look like in in the sort of weeks and months to come? We start Tour of Switzerland this weekend as well, and the Tour of Slovenia. So we've got a lot on the go. We're running another triple program. We'll be running with the Dauphiné, Tour of Switzerland, and the Tour of Slovenia just to finalize everybody's preparation for for the Tour de France. We've got a long list of riders at the moment that we'll then cut down and uh, and finalize and potentially announce our team the 20th, 21st of June for the Tour de France once we've been through the you know, once we've had our guys come out of the Dauphiné and uh, Tour of Switzerland and Tour of Slovenia. So lots on the go at the moment. Um, incredible teamness <laughs> all over the place. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's an amazing it's an amazing opportunity for our riders to, you know, to be a part of the World Tour and to race at this level. So, you know, they, they're loving it and, they, and they're enjoying their bikes. And, they, and as you can see, they, they, they're really racing well. Well, Douglas, you guys are doing amazing work. Thanks for flying the, the flag uh, both here and internationally. We love watching you, and we can't wait to, to see you winning more stages and, and who knows, picking up a, a big jersey, maybe a, a sprinter jersey, king of the mountains jersey, and who knows, maybe even a, a yellow jersey at a, at a grand tour sometime in the future. Much appreciate your time, and, and please pass on our best to, to Keegan and his family as well. Uh, we, are, we are sort of rooting for him and, and hope that he does pull through and, and make a full recovery. Thanks for your time tonight. Thank you. The constant threat of recession. Deadlines that range from super urgent to outrageously urgent. The office can be a real pressure cooker work environment. So let's take a moment then to appreciate a dedicated employee that works harder than any other in the office. Harder than an intern on a company-wide coffee run. Harder than a Facebook account during a tea break. Harder than a company credit card in the hands of the boss's wife. Even harder than a liver during an open bar office party. Always at the ready with the latest info about the markets, yet considered by most as part of the furniture. It's your office TV. Treated right. Pay your business TV license. TV licenses. Pay yours. Make a difference. This is Sport on SAFM. Every supporter's greatest resource. Well, joining us uh, tonight here on SAFM Sports Wrap is uh, former Springbok fly-off Joel Stransky. Joel, welcome back onto the show. Nice to nice to touch base. Alistair Gutsia announcing his first uh, Bok team today. Any surprises for you? Um, no, I don't think any surprises. I'm, in fact, I'm quite delighted to see uh, a couple of the selections. I'm particularly delighted for Lionel Mapu. I think he's been probably the standout midfielder for... Um, you know, the period of Super Rugby this year and uh, thoroughly deserves to, to be in the starting lineup and not maybe even on the bench. I'm delighted that he's, he's starting. And the same can be said for Faf de Klerk. I think he's been the standout scrum off so far this season. So uh, no real surprises. I think the forwards almost picked themselves. Um, good to see, uh, you know, a combination of, of form and, and talent being selected by Alistair Kutsi and 
and altogether it's, it's a very exciting team. You mentioned form, and uh, I think the Lions have been the form team in, in Super Rugby this season. They've, they've also looked good the last couple of, of Curry Cup seasons. It's good to see some of their players being, being rewarded for, for consistent performances over the, the last few seasons. You know, absolutely, and, and, and I think what Jan Ackerman has done really well is, is that he's put his faith in those guys. He's, um, he's, you know, he's, he's given them the, the journey through the tough time into a bit of experience and into, into, um, you know, what has become almost stardom for a lot of those young guys. And, and, and they have played well. They've, um, they've, they've delivered from a team perspective. They've delivered from an individual perspective and they've grown as a, as a collective argument. It's, it's wonderful to see that some of them are, are getting a chance now. There is a couple I feel a little bit for the likes of Franco Mostert. Um, no doubt Yakukir will get a, a shout at some point, but um, it, it's, a, it's a good bunch of guys, and some of them are being rewarded for great effort. Looking at uh, the fly-off uh, position, Pat Lambian at number 10, Elton Yankees, who's, who's paired up with Faf de Klerk at the Lions uh, for the last couple of seasons. He's on the bench. Uh, Pat Lambian, the right choice to start? Um, yeah, so I, I, I think we'd all think differently. I think there'll be a lot of disagreement about this. There's no doubt Elton Yankees has played really well. And there, there'll be a strong argument that the combination of Yankees and Faf de Klerk may well have been the way to go. But the other side of that is Faf de Klerk is a newbie. It's, uh, it's going to be a debut for him. Um, Elton is very inexperienced at that level. Um, he's carrying a, you know, a hand injury. Maybe the sensible decision is to, to say, let's put in the very experienced Pat Lambie at number 10. He's got 50 odd tests already. Um, and let him guide Faf de Klerk in his, in his opening test. And if you consider the combination there, in terms of eight, nine, ten, he's got Dwayne Vermeulen on one side, Pat Lambie on the other side. It, it does make a lot of sense from that perspective. But there's no doubt that that Elton Yankees will, will get a shot, maybe 15 or 20 minutes on the weekend, maybe uh, maybe a whole game next week. He'll, he'll certainly get his chance. Let's talk about the, the, the forwards pack, Joel. I mean, the tight five, I think, is a strong tight five from a, a, a loose forward perspective. We've got Dwayne Vermeulen, as you mentioned, Sir Khaleesi and Francois Lowe. Uh, decent, decent enough uh, loose forward trio? Well, it's, I mean, it's sort of a tight five. You've got Evan Etzebeth, who's coming back from injury. I thought he was a little quiet in his first couple of games back, but you know, he's colossal and his presence is enormous. Lurt has played in, in, a, in a cheetah team that has really battled and he's still been a stand-up player. I think he's also probably not on, quite on top of, of, of the peak of his game and I think it's an opportunity for the two of them. The front row, I think, almost picked itself. Um, and, and the loose forwards, I like that combination. You know, Francois Lowe has, over the last three or four years, been one of the, the best open-side flankers in the world. Sierkelisi has certainly done more than his fair share of hard work, ball-carrying, tackling, gathering, collecting for for the Stormers in recent times and, and Dwayne Vermeulen is, is just a rock around which so much happens particularly the you know the real hard yards so I think the combination is a good one and uh, I, I, I like the fact that that Alistair's been courageous enough to say look if I'm going to pick one or two international guys those are the two I'm going to go with and let's just touch on the bench as well. I mean, we, we always talk about the impact a bench can make, and there's some really exciting players on, on this Springbok bench, the likes of Peter Steftatoy, who's been, been pretty good this season as well. Warren Whiteley, who's captained the Lions uh, superbly, and, and he, I mean, he just lets it all, or leaves it all out there. Alton Yankees, as you mentioned. Bongyum Bonambi uh, with the opportunity to, to come off the bench and, and win his first test cap as well. So it, it's an exciting bench, and, and so we, we could see a very exciting second half. Well, I think it's going to be an exciting test series, and, and and obviously the bench has become a huge part of the modern game of rugby union. You know, teams are 
pretty even and they and they, they bash each other particularly on in the in the early parts of the game it's pretty much like a, a game of strategic chess almost and and it is more often than not it's the bench that come on at some point and maybe just those fresh legs fresh impetus different way of thinking that that opens the game up a little bit and I can see quite a few players here well, who will do that you know the scrummaging will remain strong Julian Redling is one guy you didn't mention real strong scrummager Peter Skeptitoy is um, also just coming off a little bit of a hammy injury and, and I think if he hadn't been injured he would have been one guy who I would have certainly considered as, as my starting first row, second row he, he's the guy who's been in great form so he'll make a big difference and you touch on Warren White I mean, the leadership he brings the the, the ability to play close or wide, and in particular wide, is, is just fantastic. And he'll combine, no doubt, in the second half with, with Elton. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for this test match. Let's talk about the Irish. They, they've also, I mean, you, you mentioned a couple of injury concerns for the box. Ireland have, have, have really struggled with injuries and a couple of big names missing because of that. Obviously, playmaker Johnny Sexton uh, out. Uh, he's yep. going to be he's going to be missed. He will be missed. Um, and, and you know, I think it is the, sort of the nature of 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 the, the the rugby calendar season that the fact that the Northern Hemisphere teams at the end of a really long Northern Hemisphere season come to the Southern Hemisphere, and and, and there are some injuries and some guys who they don't pick because they need to rest them because they are carrying niggles or for whatever reason. And and and, and Sexton will be one that the Irish Dumas is a he's a great player. He's um, he's a playmaker around which a lot happens. But but as they've been quite quick to point out, you know, one man's demise is another man's opportunity, and and it certainly gives a chance to the Irish to have a look at Paddy Jackson. It gives him a chance to to breed a few younger guys to to check on the depth of their squad, and and I think they are the one team in, in global rugby where they have um, not a huge amount of resources, and and they have sort of a top twenty, and then they lose one or two players, it, it is a big blow for them. This is a chance to. To help fill that gap and, and breed some youngsters, and, and they'll come out. They're a passionate bunch. They'll come out. They'll be firing. They've got a couple of South Africans in there as well. CJ Stunder um, amongst the the, the the starting lineup. So so they'll know what to expect, and they'll still be very well organised. They're a well coached side, and Sexton or no Sexton, they'll be difficult to beat. It's going to be a fantastic series. Joel Stransky, as always, nice to catch up. Thanks for your time today, and we look forward to to chatting again soon. No problem. Nice chatting, Brad. Take care, buddy. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. This is SAFM Sports Wrap, looking ahead to this weekend's the next of the uh, NFD Absa Premiership promotion playoff fixtures taking place on Saturday at 3 p.m. Uh, Highlands Park up against the University of Pretoria, and uh, the pressure is firmly on. I'm a tax rejoined now by their coach, Sean Bartlett. Sean, welcome back onto uh, SAFM Sports Wrap. We spoke to you just before your, your final game of the Absa Premiership season. The pressure was on you then. This is uh, becoming familiar territory. Well, I'm hoping, obviously, that I'll have the same luck uh, as the last time I spoke to you because we won that game and it gave us a second chance. Um, and now, again, we find ourselves under pressure. It seems like my players enjoy doing that um, because we had a great opportunity winning the first game and uh, being at home, and we couldn't do it. So now we've got our backs against the wall. Uh, it's a do-or-die battle against Highlands Park, and nothing but three points, obviously, will keep us in the way. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. It's do or die now, and uh, sometimes that is what players need. Are, are you feeling the pressure as a coach? Uh, um, uh, that, that last game of, of the season, you guys performed fantastically well, obviously knowing you were going to the playoffs. Do, do you think the players have kind of taken their foot off the gas, thinking, well, that was it, and, and, and they've, they've sort of walked into a bit of a rude awakening in these playoffs? Uh, 
Yeah, I think it was a combination of factors. Uh, firstly, we obviously watched Mombella against Highlands Park, and they lost that game 2 0 at home. And I think my players went into our game thinking it's going to be just that easy, just as easy. And uh, complacency, I think, definitely kicked in there. And we've had the post mortem. We've looked at the mistakes. We've looked at the lack of the lack of energy in that particular game. Uh, and we know exactly what's going to be required going into Highlands Park game. And for me, to be honest. Um, uh, I think they're a better team than Mumbella, uh, Highlands Park. More organised, better structured, and uh, uh, a few more experienced players as well. Looking, looking ahead to to Saturday, how do you approach this game? Do you approach it as a cup final? I think uh, it's the best way to approach it um, because we know for a fact that uh, the three points will put us back into the race. Uh, anything less than that will again just put more pressure on us as a club, and, and we've got to make sure that we go there with the right attitude and, and, and the right to win the games at the end of the day. As much as we have quality in our team, and I'm a firm believer that we can get that PSL status back, we've got to prove it on the field. Sean, you, you mentioned that 3-0 victory uh, that, that Highlands uh, Park picked up. Do you, do you think goal mm. difference could play a, a role later on in these playoffs? And, and does that come into the thinking on, on Saturday? Or do you go in there, you know, we need to win this thing. If we score three goals, fantastic. But one goal mm. is going to be enough to, to pick up the three points. Yeah, I think uh, priority for Saturday is just to win. Um, but it means uh, going there and winning ugly by the odd goal. Um, I think we will take that. And after that, we'll just obviously uh, see what's going to be needed in, in the last two games. But for me, it's making sure that we get a win out of Saturday's game um, to put ourselves in that race uh, uh, as our mistakes in the first game uh, didn't allow us. Playing away from home, uh, disadvantage, I'm sure, but uh, from a, a pitch condition, you guys have obviously been playing absolute premiership football with some great pitches here in South Africa. Are you are you expecting a, a torrid time on the road? Uh, well, it's not exactly away from home. Uh, I keep saying to the players, um, we should get out of that mentality, to be honest, that we think we're playing away from home. Man. How are you playing away from home in your own country? Uh, we just need to have a different mindset. And for me, that mindset is not to concede first. Uh, give ourselves a better chance of winning games. Uh, it's just down the road from Pretoria. Uh, we know they're good at home. And uh, we just have the things uh, that we've done over the last couple of months in the right way. And I'm pretty sure we can get the results. Where do you think the key battles are going to be on, on Saturday? Uh, I think it will be the defensively, uh, both teams. Um, Obviously, Highlands Park is uh, the quality outfit. Um, they don't concede the goals, and also they've only lost two games in, in 17 at home. And we also know that they've got a big set uh, up front, so we've got to be able to deal with that and then uh, try and exploit this, the few weaknesses they've got uh, in their defence. So looking at uh, the, the sort of mindset coming into these playoffs, a team that was battling relegation as opposed to teams that were the, the, at the top of their respective league, does that make a, a difference from a confidence perspective coming into, uh, into clashes like these? Well, I think a lot of people are of the fact that it, it does make a difference. Um, and I know for a lot of people have said before as well, we've lost more games than Island Park or Mandela has been winning. But um, at the end of the day, those are all stats for media. And, and I, I'm firm this believe that if you prove yourself on the day, you can upset anybody. And the players know uh, that this piece of status is not with us. It's in the middle, and all three teams are fighting for it. Sean Bartlett, as always, great to catch up. Thanks for your time this evening. Best of luck for the clash on Saturday, and uh, we look forward to catching up again soon here on SAFM. Thank you very much, and I always uh, enjoy and appreciate the support. SAFM.
Sports Wrap. With less than two months uh, before the Rio Olympic Games kickoff, track and field athletes in Kenya are hard at work in training to ensure adequate preparation for the global sporting showpiece. All eyes will be on the Kenyan athletes who are renowned for their prowess on the track and field, including current African and Commonwealth javelin record holder Julius Yego. The East African country remains a hotbed for long-distance runners on the Olympic circuits, and athletes who have qualified are currently doing high-altitude training to prepare sufficiently for the Games. Kenyan volleyball president and member of the Kenyan Olympic Committee, KOC, Waitaka Kioni, explains. Okay, thank you. Um, as, as I did mention, Kenya is a hotbed of um, uh, talents, especially in athletics. We, Kenya is well known for long-distance runners, uh, middle-distance running. And uh, I believe the Kenyan athletes who have qualified for the Rio Olympics are already uh, training, highest training. And uh, we expect them to perform very well. We expect them to uh, maintain the tradition where you have won uh, most of these long-distance uh, races. And, of course, you also expect... Uh, our javelin man to defend his uh, recently won uh, world championship. He's also in very good shape and I believe he's training very well. Meanwhile, the dark cloud hanging over Kenya athletics regarding the doping saga remains a sensitive issue. However, Keone gave assurances that the Kenyan contingent earmarked for the Rio Olympics would be World Anti-Doping Agency WADA compliant. According to Keone, the Kenyan government is taking the doping issue very seriously. It's so serious that Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta has publicly pronounced on the issue and the needs for the Kenya National Assembly to deal with the issue to the satisfaction of the International Association of Athletics Federations, the IAAF. But I know athletics, athletics team will be there. I also believe, uh, I think rugby, rugby will be there. Uh, the Kenyan government did pass uh, the weather requirement into law, except that later on, I think about three weeks back, one indicated that there was, there was one or two areas which was not that happy with. And uh, our National Assembly is going back looking at this, and I'm sure they will pass, they will pass these uh, uh, regulations that uh, WADA is uh, uh, talking about. I'm certain that Kenya will be able to move to Rio uh, with full compliance with WADA requirements. Our government is taking that matter very, very seriously. Our National Assembly, the Parliament, is taking the matter very, very seriously. The president himself has spoken about it. The matter has been taken very, very seriously, and I'm sure we shall be compliant. The Kenyan contingent to the Olympics shall be compliant. The Kenyan women's volleyball team failed to qualify for the Rio Olympics after losing to their Egyptian counterparts in a tournament held in Cameroon recently. The Kenyan team had a second chance to compete in another event in the Caribbean island of Puerto Rico, but still failed to secure a spot for Rio. Thank you. Unfortunately, uh, although our women volleyball team has done very well, having won the World Cup in Australia last year, having won the African Cup of Nations, having also won uh, gold at the Africa Games. Unfortunately, during the Olympic qualifier event in uh, Cameroon, and as we beat all the teams, we were uh, beaten by the Egyptian teams, and uh, we believe that is uh, largely due to, I believe, their officiating. And we've got a second round, and uh, our team traveled to Puerto Rico uh, recently.
But uh, again, it not qualify because I believe, and this is a fact, in uh, Norseka and Northern Central African, Central American uh, states, they have better infrastructure for training than we have here in Kenya. Volleyball is basically an indoor sport. It's only in Black Africa that uh, volleyball is played uh, outdoor. Uh, in Kenya, we have only one indoor arena, which is not uh, always really available for the team when it's preparing. Those are some of the factors that may have affected uh, our lack of qualification for the Olympics. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, we head to Atzenbruch in Austria now. The Lioness Open is underway. First round, and uh, the South African tied for third. We join now by Mark Tompkins. Mark, it was quite a, a low-scoring opening day. It's not been bad, Brad, to be fair. We had some really good scoring conditions this morning. We were expecting a few thunderstorms this afternoon. The course here is very hard and very fast. The ball's running a long way on the fairways, and that has caused a few problems. Players saying that the run out into the rough you know, has been affected by those hard fairways. But I'm pleased to say the rain, rain kept off. And as you rightly say, plenty of players in red figures heading into day two. It's a Spaniard that leads the way, Adrian Otegui, a superb round, a flawless round of 64 for him today. Three birdies to close out his front nine, and then four birdies in five holes coming home was the round of the day by far. He's at eight under par, and he's two shots clear of Sweden's Bjorn Ackerson, who made a strong finish today with a round of 66. You mentioned the young South African, Xander Lombard. He's had a great season, second in the Johannesburg Open a little bit earlier on in the season. A 67 for him today, five under par, three shots off the lead, and he's alongside Frenchman Gary Stahl, who picked up two eagles in his round today. It was very eventful from the Frenchman, who had to settle for a 67. It's not been a great day for some of the other South Africans in the field, though Justin Walters, a five-over-par round of 77. Dylan Fratello, she up to 74. John Hugo, also a 74. And J.B. Kruger has finished his first round with a 72. But the South African flag being flown by Xander Lombard. He's three shots off the lead behind Adrian Otegi, who shot a 64 early on today. Thank you very much, Mark Tompkins, for that update live from Austria. We'll have more tomorrow on SAFM Sport Trap. I'm back again at half past six tomorrow. We'll have more sport tomorrow morning on AM Live. Coming up next, it is the talk shop with Naledi Malayo. Right now, though, it is seven o'clock and time for your news.